it's the most wonderful time of the year again, October, where I can just watch horror movies and people who don't watch horror movies can come celebrate watching classic universal horror films like Dracula and Frankenstein with me, or that they can enjoy watching a good slash fest with Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street or any other bad slasher movie that came out during that decade. It's where everybody kind of lets their freak flag fly a little bit, but I'm a year-round horror guy, and obviously, as you know, there's a good horror theme to this show. I, I talk to a lot of directors that work in the genre for multiple reasons, because I think they have a very high intellect of the world. That's not to say any director who hasn't worked in the genre isn't in tune with the world around them, but I noticed one thing with horror directors. They are very imaginative and they get inside their mind a lot and the mind is a powerful thing hence why we have the subgenre of psychological horror which is where we're going to kick things off for the month of October a simple google search on psychological horror if you don't already know what it is psychological horror is a subgenre of horror and psychological fiction with a particular focus on mental emotional and psychological states to frighten disturb or unsettle its audience and today on the show i have a filmmaking pair professionally and personally on the show today emily bennett and justin brooks are the team behind the film Alone With You, streaming now on Shutter and a few other VOD places. And I believe, according to the information I have on this episode, there is a physical copy of the film dropping most likely by now. I could be wrong about that. Don't hold me to that. But it is out there making the rounds. And it made a lot of rounds at the film festival circuit last year. It is a gripping terrifying, fun, one-location psychological horror thriller that I think all of you will enjoy, and all of you will probably enjoy hearing them talk about the making of it, because it's really, really interesting how these two crafted this film basically by themselves, and even got the great Barbara Crampton to make a small appearance in the film in her own little special way. On a side note from all the horror movie stuff, as I kind of hinted at Emily and Justin are real life uh, partners in life together and they told me off mics that this episode would be dropping right around the time they got married they are getting married this month I think they're getting married this coming weekend as I record this so the weekend of October 7th Uh, apologies if I'm wrong I don't know the exact date but I just wanted to take the time to thank them for coming on the show throughout their busy schedule and say congratulations for tying the knot on that that is just a from one married guy to now a married couple congratulations to you guys on this and i hope you enjoy the episode even though i know you guys probably won't get around to listening to it because i know how busy the week leading up to a wedding is now before i get to the episode i once again i just want to make a plug it is monday october 3rd last night October 2nd was the season one premiere of Hot Genre Topics with myself and Generic C on Instagram Live, drinking hot sauces and talking horror movies and why we just love the genre and we thought we'd kick it off in October. If you happen to have missed it, uh, there will be some places where you can catch it, re-airs during the week. Uh, If you follow me on Instagram, Facebook, uh, I guess I should start getting more active on Twitter. I'll be re-sharing some links of where you can check it out. Uh, we just, you know, got to solidify maybe how we're going to maybe do some re-airs and stuff. Obviously, YouTube links and whatnot. 
and everything. But it is on Instagram Live bi-weekly for the next probably eight to ten weeks for season one. Um, hopefully, I don't know. We haven't cut the first episode yet as I record this intro. Uh, hopefully, it went well. And we're really excited to do it. We're really excited to keep doing it. So with all that said, let's get to the interview and today's episode with Emily and Justin. Welcome to the basement. So yet again, I have just sifted through filmmakers out of New York City. One filmmaker has led to another, has led to another, has led to another. I, I mean, just to name a few, the Adams Family films who were on a few weeks ago, uh, Larry Fessenden from back in November, Jeremiah Kipp, who I think when he posts, I give him a shout out like once a week on this show. <laughs> when he posts about a filmmaker releasing something, I go, hmm, I'm going to track them down. Uh, well. I got a hell of a pair here that has a great film streaming on Shutter right now. A lot of short films leading up to that film as well. Uh, Emily Bennett, Justin Brooks, welcome to Tyler Geis's basement. Hey, thanks for having us yeah. in the basement. <laughs> you guys look like you're in a basement. I'm. I have a, a window close. right here. We're, I guess, relatively close to an attic. <laughs> uh, we're opposite sides. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. Cool. Um, yeah, I, I gotta, I, I don't know, maybe I should change this to Tyler's office or something. Cause it's not the reason why I call it the basement, just to give you guys a little bit of backstory. Like I was thinking of an, I, when someone told me like, you should do a podcast and everybody told me you should do a podcast. I was like, what the hell am I going to name it? Like, I don't know. And I was just like, I, I was a 13 year old kid who just watched movies religiously in my parents' basement. Mm -hmm. friends would come over hang out in my parents basement mm -hmm. drink drink my mom's wine in a box and <laughs> the friends yeah yeah so like yeah <laughs> exactly actually um so i was just like yeah i'll just go out the basement whatever and here we are a year and a half later um hey, so man, cool it's the radio no one knows you're not in a basement <laughs> yeah, guys but like Tyler's in a basement right now he's lying he's not in office <laughs> <laughs> There's the whole vid casting thing. So like people have sets now and everything. And yeah, <laughs> and I don't know, but I don't got that kind of budget, at least not right now. But um, <laughs> so the film is Alone With You. I caught it a couple weeks ago. Uh, I think I reached out to Justin. I reached out to you first. And then I think I tried to reach out to Emily's agent, but then she just hopped on the email thread. <laughs> and um, yeah. so it's really awesome to have you both here to talk about making this cool film that I heard was conceived during lockdown. It was, yeah. yeah. That entire, like, soup to nuts, this movie was made during lockdown. Yeah. I, I definitely got serious lockdown vibes. <laughs> like, yeah. um, real quick, uh, well, we'll touch on it in a little bit. I kind of want to get to know you guys and let the audience get to know y'all a little bit. Y'all, sorry. Um, but uh, what's the elevator pitch on this movie? Um, <clears throat> the elevator pitch is... Uh, so just a little backstory before the elevator pitch. So Justin and I are partners in real life. We're actually yeah. getting married in October. Congratulations. Um, thank thank you. you. But uh, I had actually just moved in with Justin into the apartment that is featured in Alone With You. I moved in with him. 
a month before lockdown. So this, uh, <laughs> so alone with you, uh, we had been working on a different film together, not with me in it, uh, to co-write, co-direct with the same producers attached, uh, Andrew Corkin and Theo James. Lockdown happened, everything shut down, but we were like, well, you've got all the equipment, I'm an actor, let's make something. So we would basically, all of the parks in, in New York City were shut down during the pandemic, but there was a graveyard open. So we would spend our days walking through a graveyard in Brooklyn. And we were like, well, we can make short films. We made two short films, Pains, written and directed by Justin, Bed, written and directed by me. And we were like, well, how hard could it be to, to make a feature? And very hard is the answer. But, um, but basically, we walked around this graveyard and the elevator pitch for Alone With You became let's let's not focus on covid but let's focus on the claustrophobia and the feeling of isolation and desperation that is coming from all of our family and friends during this time um we really wanted to focus on existential horror and and the feeling of of losing oneself mm -hmm. um so those were the themes we wanted to explore so the elevator pitch for alone with you that we took to our producers was uh Charlie is a romantic. She's in a relationship that she has been struggling to keep um, good for a while. It's the night of her anniversary with her love, Simone, and she is determined to make this night one to remember. But uh, as she starts to realize Simone might not be coming home, the, the door is locked, voices are coming from odd places in the apartment, Charlie slowly starts to realize she may not be alone. Yeah. So there you go. Long answer, but <laughs> no, it, it's um, I mean it's a, it's a tight movie, eighty three minutes, which I say I think that was the runtime, but um, yeah, I I I want to say I've said it numerous times on this show, like I live for movies that are of that runtime. I think that's why I'm watching a lot of like black and white movies from like the nineteen forties that are like seventy five, yeah. eighty minutes, because I'm just like get in, get out, and you know leave an audience like breathless or hanging or something and i i don't know i thought you guys were really i thought it was just a really well paced one location well a couple other locations but uh one location film um yeah so you guys are new york filmmakers i mean i'm sure i'm sure you like know of a lot of other people in that community like was there a lot of people just like during lockdown and whatnot, picking up a camera and shooting something in their apartment, just like you guys or I, uh, I, we actually, I think the inspiration came first by a friend of ours mentioning like, Hey, why, why don't you guys do like a found footage film or something? Yeah. Um, and while both of us are huge fans of that genre, uh, when we got thinking about it because i'm a cinematographer by trade that's what i do for a living and uh and so i have basically a production studio's worth of gear in my apartment and i was like well we don't really need to go that route like we yeah. could and i feel like everybody at the time was going to and and there came some really awesome very cool found footage mm. covid films i guess you know like hosts yeah. um really yeah. keep the mind like that that was super fun another so type you know uh really fun film but 
Uh, we wanted to do something that we were like, what can we do that will step as far away from the pandemic when it's over as possible? You know, like it, this is shot during quarantine, but this is not. We didn't want it to kind of carry that smell as time goes on. We wanted something a little more evergreen. So um, we talked about just kind of if we have the time, like the only thing a crew offers you is to be able to do something in a shorter amount of time. But um, being that I come from the doc world, I have run camera, I've run sound, I edit, I, you know, I, I do all the technical jobs. Um, and I have a fantastic actor right next to me. So I was able to, to, you know, we were able to, to move something a little farther away from the, you know, the idea of kind of pick up a camera and just go. And we wanted to really kind of curate a little more. We wanted to be a little um, Liam Neeson and see what our particular set of skills were. <laughs> yeah. and, nice. <laughs> and basically put, you know, with our powers combined kind of thing, uh, we were able to create something that I think is very unique to, to us as a filmmaking uh, partnership. Definitely. Uh, you, Justin, you actually kind of answered a question I had for like maybe the tail end of the show, but I'll just elaborate on what it was like, you know, obviously I'm watching this for the first time. I'm getting like, I'm sitting there and I'm going like, I wonder if they, I wonder if they shot this during lockdown. Like it, it just, it has that I had throughout end of last year when you started kind of seeing the COVID movies hit the market and whatnot. Yeah. And like, I interviewed a lot of people who, who had made films like that. And like, like this one, I'm watching, I'm going like, I wonder if this is like one of those, I think one of a shot during 2020, but I, what are the one thing I loved about it? And you kind of answered it there is like, you're not really addressing what's going on in the world. It's just someone in an apartment completely losing their mind. It seems. And I, I think that's, what's probably going to make it probably last a little longer. Um, Cause you know, sometimes COVID films are, and they have like a name now, COVID films. People right, shot people yeah. shot COVID films. Like I, I think Funny, you know, it's almost become a, a like a dirty word. Yeah. It, it like which at the time it was like, oh my God, it's so great that people are continuing to create and being able to make a thing. But nowadays it's like, oh, but is it a COVID movie? You know, like which is funny because you wouldn't look at a film like Repulsion and be like, oh, that's a COVID film, yeah. like, or Rosemary's Baby and be like, that's a COVID, you know, but these are films that largely in part happen within a singular location, you know. Um, now, and that's why it was important to us that our themes and our ideas last well beyond the time that yeah. we were living in. I, I know that um, it's funny because I come from a generation before the internet um so when i started seeing uh movies involve the internet or the internet of the time it kind of i immediately got a little separated from it because i'm like well this isn't gonna last <laughs> you know this isn't gonna gonna age well the internet's like cool now but it might not you know um but there's there's those movies that live so solidly in their time and some of them are great and some of them are beloved well beyond, but it's still some, there's always that stamp of this is when this is made, you know? And for some of us, that's endearing. 
Um, but for some of those films, that's that's kind of a it's a hit. It's a way it, it kind of creates a wall for a certain audience. So we wanted to be we wanted to make a movie that was again, it was more about the psych the psychology and the the emotional stress we were all going through at the time rather than the reality of throwing a mask on or not being able to see your friend or, you know, things like that. And, and in the shooting of it, we wanted it to make, we wanted to make a, as cinematic a film as possible so that I, I, my goal was to make, to, to, for people to not realize that this was done with two people in a room you know yeah i was doing some research on you guys watching some other interviews and emily i think you said it uh you guys were the directors writers pro- re- i don't think you did you guys produce it sorry we'll cut yeah. that part out. Yeah. okay along with andrew oh, Cork yeah. and then theo james yeah, yeah. You, okay i'll take they the, were remote the entire time i gotcha uh you guys were the directors writers producers cinematographers obviously uh gaffers grips like it was just you two doing that and you you guys were pretty much the whole crew on that and i was shocked to hear that because it it felt like you i mean obviously maybe a a small setup but it um it felt still very big like the camera angles it's not just like always kind of like a one continuous shot kind of thing i mean i i'm not a cinematographer i don't uh want to get too technical into the terms and be wrong but um no it, it just it felt like for one location primarily one location kind of thing it didn't feel like there was just two people making the movie and sometimes you can feel that so thank cool. you yeah well and i i will say if you um on the dvd dark star has been wonderful and like getting us a dvd made which was thrilling to see but we did make some bts and the setups were bigger than you think that apartment was a disaster <laughs> and we were living yeah. there the entire time yeah. um but like what justin said you know where we we were lacking crew we had time so you know i would wake up in the morning i was our ad i would make the schedule i would help him gaff and grip and then eventually <clears throat> would put on my um uh, my Charlie playlist. I, you know, I had a playlist I would listen to, to just kind of get, get in the mood, get, get in character. I would go put on hair and makeup. Justin would finish setting up and we would, we would shoot and we blacked out all the windows so that we could keep, um, you know, somewhat of a (laughs) normal working schedule. Um, but yeah, we did that for about a month and a half, two months, uh, with only like a day or two off. So Yeah. Again, like I said, I mean, you know, crew affords you. I mean, having a crew is wonderful. I don't want to take down play. I want to have a crew all the time. It's all the time. (laughs) Surrounding yourself with other artists within the industry helps dramatically. But um, they 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 also afford you time. You know, they instead of taking the 15 minutes it takes to set up your lights, set up your camera and whatnot. You've got somebody doing those other things while you focus on one. That's great. Mm -hmm. But what we were able to do, thanks to understanding we had this amount of time, um, we, we wanted to make sure that, that we did have a different setup, a different kind of look, everything was really curated and, and it was a big, big thing for us to make sure that apartment didn't become boring mm-hmm. because that that is definitely 
that that's a fear for sure. I mean, we are legitimately in the same rooms throughout the entire film with, with some exception. And if you shoot that relatively flatly, um, that's going to get monotonous, you know? Yeah. So, so that was a big conversation at the beginning of the film mm -hmm. between Emily and I, like while I'm the cinematographer for the movie, both of us sat down we're like, how do we break this space up? How do we break yeah. time up? How do we not make this be the same bloody shot every other frame you know yeah so um i'm i'm glad it came through that's been it was scary because it's like you, you don't know until it's done did this work you know yeah it, it, especially i want to say the third act the last 20 minutes yeah it's like i mean i don't know from a technical standpoint what you guys did but it just feels like we're not even in the apartment anymore. Like we're in like the depths of hell right now. Good. Um, what were like, I guess this is almost kind of, well, it's a question for both of you, but um, when you guys, guys were crafting this, I know some filmmakers like to maybe completely ignore watching some stuff that could inspire what they're trying to make, or they actually are sitting down and thinking of references Were you guys like, going to your filmmaking inspirations or you know what, what were you kind of drawing from when you were creating this yeah i mean we're we're both uh, yes we were watching some reference um films uh, you know we were massive fans of 70s horror so we we would go back to classics like don't look now um which i think is one of the best edited horror films yeah. ever made i'd have to agree yeah <laughs> uh, such inspiration from that but we also you know, and we've we've been compared to Repulsion before, but honestly, we look to Polanski's The Tenant um, quite a oh, lot. I didn't think about that. Now that you say that, oh, good yeah, one! All right, <laughs> massive like massive inspiration, and it's where the um, the character named Simone so, comes yeah. from yeah. because Simone okay. is the the ghost in The Tenant, so yeah. that is directly where her name comes from. Um, we also watched Identity. We watched fourteen oh eight. We would you know, various films like that, that had high yeah. production value while being claustrophobic. We watched, um, oh, what's the Elizabeth Olsen one? House at the end of, no, it's, that's a- Dark House? Dark House, yeah. Dark House. Do you remember that yeah. one? It's like a one take, Elizabeth Olsen. It's from the same directors that did uh, the, the um, Open Water. I yeah. the it's I I haven't seen it, but when you mentioned Elizabeth Olsen, I was like, I think I heard a few years back yeah. about it. I think this was like before like she's an Avenger, right? Like yeah. oh, well, well yeah. before Avengers. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, I think it was not... after Martha Marcy before yeah. Avenging. Yeah. Um <laughs> but um I, honestly we would watch all of that and just you know, Justin, he his horror references are mostly 80s growing up and mine are a lot of 90s horror. It's it's mm. funny where our references kind of split, but we we come at the work from two very different points of view, but I think that helps it be dynamic. And while you know we're embracing kind of more my art house sensibilities my like weird obscure films that no one's ever heard of um justin has like an encyclopedic knowledge of horror and and the ability to fully entertain and keep audiences on the edge of their seat so i think we would just pull in different references and um yeah. 
like I said, with our powers combined, we the work that we make together is unlike anything we would do separately. And I think it's exciting for that. Yeah, it's funny, actually, because you mentioned the shorts. If you watch, so we have the two shorts we did on Alter. If you watch both of them back to back, with the exception of the <laughs> fact that they have the same actress in the same location, uh, they are two wildly different films. Okay. I, we we I, shot both of those right before we shot Alone. Yeah, and, and I think, and because of course, Pains uh, is directed by myself and, and, and Bed is directed by Emily. You, you get a taste of what our, uh, what we each bring to the, the genre uh, separately, which is very different. Um, but it's also like, when, when talking about inspiration, so uh, Alone With You didn't come from nothing. We, when we were taking those walks in the, in the cemetery, we kind of were rifling through our work because we write and we, we create all the time. So there's, there's stuff just sitting in, you know, in the, the, the closet waiting to be pulled out. And, uh, and we came across a, a short film I had written a year ago, a year before, Mm -hmm. um uh for actually intended for a friend of emily's because i kept on shooting shorts with emily in them and <laughs> i was like you know it'd be helpful to have someone else on my reel so uh so i i wrote this with the intention of um uh bringing on her friend kyle a very talented actor uh and and it was actually more inspired by um, horror video games that I really enjoy. Uh, nice. Uh, so I wrote the original, it was called A Closed Door. And uh, that was the short that we pulled and turned into the feature. Very different in tone, very yeah. different in visual execution, but it had, and I was gonna produce the short for <clears throat> for Justin. We were gonna go in, Kyle's a wonderful actor. Um, I think I was gonna play a tiny role in it, but once the lockdown happened, it's it's hard to, ideas are like fine wine. They need time to kind of develop and, yeah. and you know, kind of breathe and you come back to them. And, um, and so we didn't wanna start from scratch. So we took this core kernel idea and we just said, okay, well, what if, what if she's a female? Like, and, and how do we construct that around her? And from the idea of Charlie really figuring out who she is together as directors and writers, and then ultimately me as an actor, figuring this woman out, um, every other idea came from Charlie because she yeah. is such, uh, she is our point of view for better or for worse. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, a closed door was going to be a very different short, but it really, it was the gift that you know, gave us alone with you, our debut feature. Yeah. Cool. Um, has it always been, I mean, I can kind of, I have some assumptions. This question's for both of you, but I don't want to assume too much, but I'm just judging by Justin's shirt, uh, groovy <laughs> with <laughs> evil dead. Um, uh, has it always been horror for both you guys, or do you guys kind of step out of the genre a little bit here and we there? I, for me, it's always been genre, um, horror being the, the front uh, of that. I, I love genre filmmaking. And um, I don't know. I I have written a non-genre drama years and years ago. Um, but it's, I mean, that's what I love. That's what I grew up with. That's what I fill, you know, my life with. So I think genre is definitely at the... Uh, 
the forefront for me for sure mm. um and i i'm classically trained in theater a theater actor kind of turned into a genre filmmaker and um i love genre i think genre is a wonderful vehicle for for different types of stories um I, it's what i love watching growing up i grew up in the bible belt i wasn't supposed to watch horror films so they were my dark little secret and i love <laughs> really um although i you know i've written several scripts that aren't horror i veer into thriller um you know i just i just wrote a, an erotic thriller actually with horror elements but mm -hmm. i i don't honestly genre it it's it's a wonderful tool and it's a fun playground and i think i'm i'm constantly trying to define it and redefine it for myself but um i mean it's so fun horror is yeah. just it's always fun to come back to so it's uh i mean i i, I try to take everything as a writer myself i try to take all my fears and anxieties at the moment and put it on the page and it's even if it's something that i know may never see the light of day it's so therapeutic like maybe it's not the best form of therapy maybe i should see a therapist anyway um but no, no good for you that's good you should <laughs> no, write it down. thank you but like it, it is kind of this cathartic thing of whatever is going on in my life a stressor something that's making me anxious and putting it into something scary um, I mean, every every horror filmmaker that's come on the show, and I've talked to a lot, even though this isn't a strictly horror genre show, I might as well turn it into one. <laughs> but yeah, it's all kind of the same thing of everybody's got that little demon inside of them, and they got to just kind of flesh it out or something. Well, yeah, and and to what you said, your anxieties and things. Sometimes we don't even know what those are. You know, yeah, sometimes yeah. you're just sitting with something that you're like, something's not right. I don't know what it is. And it's because the human psyche is so layered and so complicated that once we we watch Freddy Krueger, we're like, that's the bad guy. You yeah. know, it, it becomes something that you can actually fight and deal with. And through that catharsis of story and allegory, which is what horror gives us, then sometimes when the credits roll, you can be like, Oh, it's my relationship with my aunt that's real. You know, you can like it just gives you like a break from trying to figure yourself out for a little while, and that's what I love about horror. Yeah, I, uh, I sometimes had, sometimes had like dinner events with family when like a topic of like Stephen King, it like the new like I don't know somebody quotes The Shining or something, oh. and immediately like, I mean I, I've read it, I, I've watched the. Stanley Kubrick one plenty of times. I even watched the Mick Garris made for TV one from back in the nineties. Yeah. And like, I'll just sit there and I'll, I will do a, an unwanted deep dive into what Stephen King may have tried to been working out in writing <laughs> that book. I'm just like, yeah, you know, he was kind of into drugs and drinking and, you know, he's about to have a kid and he was scared of, he was going to be an awful guy, an awful father. And yeah. You know, so he made this villainous father in the movie. Like, you know, I'm, and then people are looking at me like, Okay, well, it was a really good movie, and I was like, "Damn it, I did it again." <laughs> well, that see, and that's what drives me nuts about when people talk about um, they, they use the phrase "elevated horror" yeah. as though that's like something brand new, as though like horror has never been thoughtful or or thought provoking in the past. And it's like that is literally every great horror filmmaker, yeah, 
has is saying something very heavy. It's just whether or not you have been open to receive that back in the day. And and that's like when you speak about Stephen King, I mean, that's clearly why I was so upset with Kubrick's version yeah. is because it divorced him of what he really wanted to put into that film or into that story. You know, it it took him out of it almost, you know, and uh, and that was that was special to him. But when you talk about like, you know, I mean, for God's sake, like the, you know, Night of the Living Dead and its dealings with race. I mean, Romero talking about, you know, wh whether it's race or commercialism or the, you know, the deep state or whatnot, or you go into any matter of horror, like horror has never not said something. It's like there's plenty of fun horror that's just there. I mean, I don't think Ghoulies has anything heavy to say, but but like there's plenty of horror out there since it started. Horror was meant to to teach while entertaining. And that's there's always been a message there. So it drives me nuts that we that there's this whole group that thinks that that's like something new that like Jordan Peele suddenly came up with the idea of injecting race into horror. Like yeah. that's literally been there since it started. I mean, you look at Frankenstein and the question there is who is the actual monster? You know, like yeah. that's, it's always been there. So yeah, it's, I, I love horror because it it is such an amazing playground and you can create just fun. You can really have fun while saying like some very serious and very deep stuff um and it and it still doesn't feel like it's trying too hard you know mm -hmm. i'd give you a nice mic drop moment we can close the show right there but i actually had like one or two more <laughs> questions <laughs> but, um if i feel so maybe i'll cut the next few minutes out but <laughs> i have to ask uh you got look I have had like, it's like a sixth degree of Kevin Bacon. Um, I have had numerous people on this show have worked with the great Barbara Crampton. Yeah. And you guys got her to pretty much obviously be on a piece of technology like this on Zoom um, to have what I thought was actually a really uh, slow burn into just a tense moment mm -hmm. between your character, Emily, and her who's playing your mother. Mm -hmm. Uh I just felt so unnerving by her performance, even though it's through a monitor. Uh, what's it like? I, I mean, obviously she wasn't actually there on set, but like, how did you guys coordinate? Was it just like this, like a zoom call and you just propped a camera down? Like how was it coordinating Barbara Crampton? So we, uh, our casting director, David suggested that Barbara would be great for this role. And we were like, yeah, sure. Like, like like good, good luck you know we, we weren't <laughs> expecting very much at all and she got back to us pretty much immediately loving the the script loving the dialogue loving the relationship um and so she she said yes like pretty immediately and we were just <clears throat> overjoyed um and so the process with her was really wonderful we mailed her a gopro um, mm -hmm. and a microphone that she set up. She did her hair and makeup. We had a rehearsal day with her, which was so generous of her, talking through the relationship and and me as an actor really trying to figure out how um, to relate to her and what our backstory was. Lots of conversations, actor to actor, and then obviously directors to actor as well. Um, 
and once we worked with her, we had to we had to delay the shoot day because there was uh sorry, our cats in the background. Um we we she had a bunch of like chainsaw guys like like cutting down trees in her neighborhood one day. So we had to delay the shoot day one day. Um but the the actual shoot itself, we were there only to capture her performance. So yeah. I was on Zoom. She had set the GoPro up to film her performance. And basically during the scene. I was trying to direct her through my performance so that I was giving her something that she could react to that I knew would elicit something from her. I didn't quite know what, but I was eliciting a performance from her that I could then act to later. Interesting. So it was a very um, complicated, very complicated, <laughs> choreographed, yeah. um, technical, emotional kind of day with her. And we had, you know, she was wonderful. We we had her for a full day and we just did take after take after take, never capturing <clears throat> my side. Um, we had some cameras set up. I think we may have used like one or two shots from me actually zooming with Barbara. Yeah, mainly um, as a safety. Mainly as a safety for wides, for establishing shots. Yeah. But but mostly we were there to capture her. <clears throat> and, you know, it, if, if her response to me was a little, let's say, <clears throat> more subtle, and and we were like, well, we we want you to really react. You, you know, we the mother right there then should be, you know, a bit more direct. Then I would I would basically instigate her. I would give her something to react to. <clears throat> and Barbara's such a wonderful actress that she picked up what I was laying down every time. <laughs> like every time that I would kind of shift and and be a little irritable, she saw that and would respond to that, which was wonderful. So that later when I'm doing my coverage, I'm acting to a complete, to a green screen. I have nothing that I'm acting to, wow. but we had chosen her takes very specifically and I would watch them and study them. Yeah. And I would know exactly the performance that she was giving so that once we were on my coverage, yes, I'm looking at a green screen with nothing. Um, and I look insane while I'm just talking to this screen. It's <laughs> like, mom, what? Um, but her performance was so wonderful. It's stuck in my mind. And thank God, the, the magic of editing um, yeah. makes it look, you know, really organic. So and we, we actually, we finally got to meet her in person. Um, right before Fantastic Right Fest. before our premiere of Fantastic Fest. She came, I think her daughter is going to school in New York. So she came <laughs> to visit we uh we all had dinner and and got to hang out and she's, she's like wonderful i think you probably come across her so often because she is such a nurturer of new filmmakers yeah like she she is so involved in in new voices and it's that's important to her mm. um which is amazing to have somebody so bloody iconic as barbara to to be so nurturing of new filmmakers and if you think about it that's been her entire career you know Stuart Gordon was a new filmmaker when he started working with her he was just working in theater before that so it's it, she's just um I could not say enough good things about Barbara she's kind she's wonderful she is an amazing talent and uh and truly terrifying and yeah <laughs> she can get into it <laughs> she really scared the shit out of us <laughs> yeah that 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 was like one of my probably favorite scenes in the movie and I, obviously i just I, I admire her work a lot and so it's yeah. cool to see her even just show up in this small little thing uh small little scene and um 
but it just like stood out so much. Like I could feel like a deep rooted trouble relationship between mother and daughter just in that one scene. We, uh, and that's a testament important. to you too, as an actress as well, Emily. It's um, important to us that scene because it, yeah. I think that does a lot to explain to you who we are dealing with. You know, like yeah. if it weren't for Barbara's character, you wouldn't really understand the background and, and the build of, of who Charlie is and what she comes from. And you the know? stakes There's... of her being in a same-sex relationship and the, yeah. The, yeah. the the massive life choice that that is for someone like Charlie, who was raised in a very conservative upbringing, clearly, and has made a choice for herself to follow her heart. Mm-hmm. And and the trouble that that seems to, to bring to her interpersonal relationships in her family which is you know that was massively important and barbara just gave us so much history um in charlie just in her performance alone i can't forget also uh dora madison yeah is the friend at the club yeah and that oh like as the movie goes on like her character who's kind of just like the barbara crampton set up um just very haunting. Like at first it's just kind of like annoying, but like, I didn't even, I didn't even think you'd go back to that character, but like, as it goes on and she's going deeper and deeper into madness, Mm. I think her character was just so haunting. Like, well, did you kind of do the same setup for her with like a green screen on a phone and a GoPro or did you just FaceTime? No, that was the same. Technically it was the same setup. However, I believe most of her stuff we would talk about, we would work through, we would direct her. And then she kind of stepped away and had a friend of hers read off camera with her as she did. Um, Cause she, yeah, it, she actually recorded her stuff on the phone. That was the, I, 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 it drives me nuts when people are like doing a FaceTime and it's clearly like the FaceTime was shot on an Ari Alexa. But yeah. I'm like, we all know that's like not what a fucking framed. cell phone looks like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, we so, like up your nose, like. Just yeah, like, it's supposed to be messy, like. Yeah, that's the thing. And I'm like, why would I take the time to try to make a beautiful thing messy if we can just, yeah. you know, do you know? So, so she did it. She did all that herself, and it, she did wonderfully. And she's <laughs> one of the funniest human beings I think I've ever like. Yeah. The the outtakes <laughs> from her stuff are um I'm. They had me dying. I was like, some I, of them are on the DVD, by the way. Yeah, okay. so funny. She is <laughs> such a funny woman. She is just also just like one of the most like just full of energy, like ready to go. But we wanted but, uh, to take that character and really give her her a journey as well. I think yeah. all the characters in this film are female, and that was for a reason. Any speaking voice or character is female. And we wanted to give yes. all of them, even if it's a short arc, we wanted to give Thea an arc too. And um, I'm so glad you you found her kind of chilling at the end because that was definitely a bit- Yeah. Yeah, it, it was it was kind of nightmare fuel. I, I, I don't know, I guess. <laughs> but it was definitely pretty, uh, yeah, messed up, haunting. Yeah. Yeah um what would you maybe just like you guys seem to come from different backgrounds of subgenres and horror you guys like like what would you put this what would you label alone with you as is it psychological horror because there's some art house feel to it also I, I feel like those shots on the beach feel 
I remember just like sitting there. I'm like, ah, oh, cool. It's going to be like a, like a Terrence Malick esque horror movie right now. <laughs> but like, what would you kind of label it as? If you want to put a label, sometimes it's hard to, I, I, I understand. Uh, I mean, I would say it's, it's a psychological thriller horror film um, about the, the horrors of, of relationships and, and, how those define us and rip us apart yeah i feel like it lives more more in the horror genre the way kind of late 70s horror mm. came to it i and and that i mean that was very um and the film was very inspired by late 70s horror that's that's what we were watching that's what we were enjoying and and i think mm -hmm. there is an interesting um kind of convergence of thriller and horror that happened in the late 70s where it, it could live in both spots pretty easily mm -hmm. and and that's where I, I think alone with you lives most comfortably is I, like if I were to ever yeah. put it on kind of double bills or something it's Wednesday uh, it would be with with like kind of that late 70s uh horror for sure mm. All right. I dig it. There's a good mic drop moment too. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, like you said, uh, well, it is, it is streaming on shutter right now. And like you said, Emily, there is a DVD Blu-ray coming out soon, or is it already out? Yeah. The DVD is uh, currently out. You can get it on Best Buy, Walmart, Amazon. Um, I think it's, it's nine 99 or something like that. Lots of additional content interviews with Barbara Crampton Dora Madison bloopers, which are kind of worse, but like worth the price of admission in, in and of themselves. Um, and then a lot of the BTS of us literally losing our minds and turning our apartment into a, a film set for all of COVID. Yeah. So, <laughs> and then it's uh, also available on all other VOD like yeah. Amazon and, and Apple and all that good stuff. Definitely. Uh, everybody listening should go check it out. Fun fun like i said nice tight horror movie um uh, that that sticks with you especially that, like the last 20 minutes oh my god i'm not, I'm not even kidding that's like <laughs> where the hell are we <laughs> um well guys this is the part of the show real quick when i wrap it up uh if you would like to i know how non-disclosure agreements work but if you have anything you could plug right now the floor is yours coming down the pipeline i mean anything coming up yeah um I think, well, our next one, we're, we're currently writing. Um, we have another feature that we have Andrew Corkin and Theo James attached to called Kept. Um, that feature is still setting up and we look forward to uh, directing that together. Um, we're writing another smaller indie that I don't really want to talk about at the moment, but we will soon. Way more violent. Uh, far more violent. <laughs> um, yeah, way, way bloodier um, and a lot of fun. Uh, and then, yeah, Solo, I'm uh, attached to direct a feature film produced by Daryl Freimark, um, who just released House of Darkness. Um, that is setting up currently called The Vineyard. Um, I was hired to rewrite and direct that. Justin will shoot. Um, and I just uh, I'm about to finish the first draft of a feature film I was hired to write for the Filipina director, Ray Red, uh, for her next horror film. Um, and that is really lovely and dark. I'm writing in English, it will be translated into Tagalog, and then hopefully um, 
you know, hopefully we can get a studio involved in, in some kind of American remake that I will absolutely pitch to, to direct myself. So, um, but yeah, lots of, lots of stuff going on. Almost too much. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, cool. You two, thank you for squeezing time in to come on and talk to me. And thank you for a great show today. Yeah, uh, thanks, thank Tyler. You. Thanks for having us. All right. And you guys know the routine. Leave a rating, leave a review. So the show does not go into the abyss because everybody has a damn podcast now. <laughs> Take care. See you next week.